Today's message has been brought to you by Faith Family Church in Billings, Montana. For more information, visit faithfamilybillings.com. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Well, it is awesome to be back with you guys. I think when we came before, we were just getting ready to head to Poland. And, um, and then who knew? <laughs> we came back thinking we were just going to be here for a month, and, um, and look what happened. But I tell you, God always brings good. Mm -hmm. Even out of the crazy, right? That's right. I mean, he will work all things. That's what the word says. He works all things together for our good. And, and he has certainly done a lot of good. And we, I know he's done a lot of good here. You know, um, our pastor friends, they have said even throughout this whole situation that, um, they have not been behind at all, at all. Now, that is a testimony Amen. of God's faithfulness, yes, of is. the people's faithfulness. I mean, it's amazing, truly. So God is so good. And we, um, we finally got our residency for Poland. Woo! Amen. So that means we can legally return now. Because things are still very tight over in Europe. I don't know if you've been hearing a lot of it, but Poland is still shut up tight. But because now we're legal residents, we can return. So um, we were wrapping up this tour here, and then uh, we have some things when we get back to Missouri at our final time of packing and seeing family. And in June, we're going back to Poland. Glory! Amen. Hallelujah! Amen. And, um, and Rama Bible College starts this fall in Poland. Amen. Isn't that awesome? God is doing amazing, amazing things. And, and we just thank you so much. I mean, I tell you, we have felt the prayers from this church and the support and the encouragement. You just don't know what a blessing it is. And you guys are right along with us on this journey. I mean, we know we're not doing this alone. We are linked arm in arm going. And um, so we're just so blessed to have you with us. Amen. Amen. Keep uh, on sharing. Well, okay. <laughs> I, we, um, you know, one of the real exciting things um, we did want to share with you, we have some um, connections now, many pastor friends that we've made in Poland. And, you know, the giving that our partners have given to us, we have been able to bless so many ministries there. It's been amazing. There are some street ministries that um, these churches, and they go out into the cities where there's extreme homelessness, you know, people suffering, just like here in America, you know, in some of the big cities. But there's hardly anybody do that, doing that. The Catholic Church doesn't do that. So mostly people are ignored and they're just left. So um, these 
these ministries are doing these incredible things where they're going out every week, feeding the homeless, reaching them, giving them the gospel. Mm -hmm. They're hearing good news. Well, we had the opportunity. There was um, one of these ministries, their, their vehicle that they used to carry all the food and everything to get the stuff down there, it broke down. And, and they put out a cry and just said, if anybody can help us. Well, we were believing God for finances because we have to get a car when we get back to Poland. And we said, Lord, we're going to plant a seed. And, and it wasn't just a little seed. We said, we're going to plant a big seed. And um, so we were able to do that. I tell you what, after that, God opened a door. We were, we were just so surprised in such a significant way that way exceeded and met our car budget too. Amen. So see how God works? He's so faithful. Amen. You know, when you sow, so oftentimes you, you don't realize how generosity will open the heart yeah. of those that you sow into. And we found being able to sow, and we make it very clear to these pastors that it's not Steve and Pam Spear that's sowing this seed. It is all of our partners together. We represent you, and it's all of us together sowing this seed. So when they got that seed for that vehicle, the Pastor Modric was just astonished. He said, I've not seen Americans who have a heart for Poland like this. He said, your heart for Poland just amazes me. And then the pastors with the, you know, with the street ministries, kind of the same thing. Yeah. And then we, together we've been able to sow into, this is very exciting, to TBN Poland, Trinity Broadcasting Poland. Yeah. Together, several times we've sown into their ministry. Yes. And they're the only Christian voice in the nation of Poland. You've got seed in that voice. Amen. I mean, you don't realize when you give on a Sunday... And then your church and pastors shared with us last night all the outreaches that you're giving to. Your voice is in that seed. Yeah. And so now you've got a voice that's going all over the airways in Poland into millions of homes. And we couldn't do that individually, could we? We couldn't knock on that many doors. But by sowing and giving, they're able to be on the airways and present the gospel. They are starting next month home groups through TBN Poland. Because there's so few churches in the nation of Poland. So next month they're starting. It's been a three-year project. And it's finally coming into fulfillment to yeah. where they can start these home groups all over the nation of Poland. And Pastor Chris has told us, he said, your Bible school students, I believe, are going to come from these home groups. Mm -hmm. And there are going to be hundreds of them all over the nation of Poland. Yeah. Yeah. And he's already told us, he said, when you get back, you're going with me, you and Pam, to these home groups to meet all the leaders. Open doors, yes. praise God, God's yes. faithfulness. And then he also said, when we go back, he said, I want to interview you guys on TBN. He said, I want people to hear your voice and to see your heart for the nation of Poland, and they need to see it on TV. Hmm. Praise God for open Hallelujah. doors, amen. You're a part of that, praise God. And, and you know, we were talking with Pastor Chris just the other day, and um, he said, he told Steve, he said, do you know, because I think we told you this statistic before that Poland is over 98% Catholic. I mean, you know, so they're very religious, right? 
They're a very religious nation. But they've seen, even through this last year, they've seen a lot of things because the church is very intertwined with the government. And so they've seen a lot of things. Well, he told us just this week that, was it 20%? 18. 18% of um, the population of the Catholic Church has left because, I mean, that's huge, you guys. That's a huge population of people leaving in mass the Catholic Church because they're so discouraged and they're disheartened. Man, it's prime time. It's, it's time. prime time for us to be there. It's time. Yeah, yeah. So God. hallelujah. Praise God. Glory to God. What else you got? <laughs> well, were you going to? All right. Praise God. <laughs> I don't want to take up too much time here. But I will, I will tell you this. This has been on my heart a lot. Wow. What? The hour we're in, we need a demonstration of the Holy Ghost like never before. Amen? We need signs and wonders. And, and the Holy Ghost will use us all. Amen? He uses every believer. I don't care how old you are or how young you are. Right. He wants to use his people, his church. And so we have to be ready. And um, I, heard, I heard Bill Johnson say this, and it just struck me to the core. And he said, your shadow will always release whatever overshadows you. Your shadow... Mm -hmm will always release whatever overshadows you. Yeah. And you know what it made me think about was, um, do you remember Peter in, in the Bible, and Peter would walk by and people would get healed just by his shadow touching them, and they would get healed instantly. I mean, he had such a reputation because then people started laying people out in the streets when they knew Peter was coming. Yeah. Because they knew you're going to get healed if Peter walks by. See, he was full of something, right? He was full of the anointing of God. And we, we got to stir ourselves up in the Holy Ghost. We've got to be ready to release. We got to be sensitive. You know, last night when we came into Billings and we were getting ready to meet your pastors, who we love so much, and we were getting ready to meet them at the restaurant. And we were walking out of the hotel, and this guy, kind of a rough guy, got from, in the elevator with Pittsburgh. us. Yeah. And I knew he was from the Northeast. You could tell by his accent, right? You know, and asked him where he was from. And um, he, he started talking to us. And then he said, well, where are you from? And, and we mentioned, you know, that we live in Poland normally. And he was all interested in that. But he started sharing some of his story and how he had just, in the last three years, gotten off of alcohol and that God was helping him, but we had a chance to really encourage him because 
He wasn't connected with the church. He just was kind of doing it on his own, you know, but he had made a lot of steps. And we said, man, you know, God wants to help you. God wants to do something in you. And it was a Holy Ghost divine moment Mm -hmm. for that guy. Right. It was precious. And I know God wants to set you up for these Holy Ghost moments and connections wherever you are, whether if you're in the store or, or I don't care where you are, you got to be sensitive. And we got to be full, full. We got to be praying. We got to be praying in tongues. We got to be having our minds and our hearts where the Holy Ghost is resting on us. Because, you know, he's in you. As soon as you received him as a child of God, he's in you, right? Praise God. But sometimes we let things of the world and just stuff rest on us. But we have to have the power and the presence of God resting on us. So that when we walk into a place, people sense, whoa, whoa, I feel peace coming off that person. I feel the love of God coming off that person. I, 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 man, can you, can you imagine walking in Walmart and all of a sudden somebody who's all crippled up and they just straighten up and they go, whoa, I'm free. (laughs) We need to. Hallelujah. That's what we need. Amen. So let's not limit God. Let's not limit God. Let's press into him. Hallelujah. Praise God. Glory to God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Stay up here for a moment. And we love you guys. I just have to say that. We love you so much. So pastors Sean and Heidi, so this morning when we were praying for not only the service but for the church, this is what the Lord began to speak. And the Lord began to speak out that I see wood, but firewood. And I began to pray that out firewood. And thinking of the young people, that fresh wood, fresh wood that was recently just cut down, but he sees fresh wood. But what he was saying about your house, that there's a good mixture of wood in the pile, that you have a hard time starting a fire with fresh wood. It's difficult to start with fresh wood only. And so it takes wood that's been aged and dried out and that's gone through the seasons. And you've got people here that have been through the seasons. They've faced seasons and in a good way, they've been dried out. They've been hardened because of the seasons. Not bad, but good. And that God has taken the the dried out wood and the fresh wood and combining it. And when I said that, Pam said, I don't see a campfire. Because we think of a campfire. She said, it's bigger than that. It's much bigger than that. Then It's not just a campfire, but it's much bigger than that. And so in this house, there's the seasoned who've been through the storms and you've weathered it. And there's the fresh wood that God is bringing into the house. And that's not necessarily just young. It could be a new believer. But God's bringing because it's going to take the combination of both for God to do what he wants to do. And then we began to see springing forth all throughout Montana. I saw geysers. I saw geysers. Boom, 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 boom is what I saw in my spirit. Geysers coming forth because of the Spirit of God moving. 
And then we began to speak forth. You know, they said that if Yellowknife does, or Yellowstone or whatever, Jellystone, whatever it's called down there, <laughs> that if it does its thing, that this whole area will be totally changed, will be rearranged. And when, we, when I spoke that and we were saying that in prayer, immediately the Holy Spirit said, I'm about to rearrange the region. I'm about to rearrange the region. There's coming a Holy Ghost explosion that's going to rearrange the landscape of this region. And God is bringing the new, and God is connecting it with those who have been weathered, and it's going to create an explosive force in the kingdom. Glory Glory to God. God. That's what he was saying in prayer over this house this morning. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Praise God. Just be ready. I don't know. You know, just be ready. Praise God. Isaiah 43, and I'm just going to get right into this. Probably I won't do all this, all my notes, because I believe the Lord wants us to have some time of ministry. So you just be ready as well. So I'm sorry I don't know your name. So Joy, well, that's perfect. Isaiah 43 and verse 15 says, And I am the Lord your Holy One. Isn't that good when he decrees that and declares that to us? That he is the Lord. He is the Lord, our Holy One, the Creator of Israel, your King. And thus says the Lord who makes a way in the sea and a path through the mighty waters, who brings forth the chariot and horse, the army and the power. They shall lie down together. They shall not rise. They are extinguished. They are quenched like a wick. Do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. A new thing. A new thing. This has been so strong on my heart the last several weeks, and so you're not the first ones to necessarily get this message, but it seems like every, in every place there's a different tweak to it. But it's, it's, it's so strong. And Pamela already made reference to the fact that who would have thought? I mean, who would have thought that we would be today where we're at and have gone through what we've been through and are still going through? It's a new thing. It's different. I mean, it's totally different. I just saw this uh, today, an article and I'm not going to give you the whole article, but just bits and pieces, because I want you to see the, the new hour that we're in. If, you know, here in Montana, you guys might not have realized it. Because <laughs> you're in Montana. I mean, we stopped yesterday on the way over from Spokane in St. Regis, and we always like this little gift store. It's not a little gift store, but we like this gift store, Montana gift store. And on the T-shirts, it said, what's the last great place? Montana, the last great place, or something like that. You guys should have shouted on that one, but you lost your opportunity. So you, so you may be, you know, graciously removed from a lot of this junk that's been out there. But this, this was an article, a recent article in the Los Angeles Times and also on Yahoo News. And this was the headline, Why America's Record Godlessness is Good News for the Nation. 
And so part of that article read this, the secularization of the U.S. society, the waning of religious faith, practice, and affiliation is continuing at a dramatic and historically unprecedented pace, the waning. While many may consider such a development as a cause for concern, such a worry is not warranted. This increasing godlessness in America is actually a good thing to be welcomed and embraced. You wouldn't have read an article like that 20 years ago. Maybe not even 10 years ago. But today, they think nothing of it in putting it out there. Just a couple of weeks ago, a representative in the United States Congress stood up. Jerry Nadler of the New York. And this is what he proclaimed. God's will is of no concern to this Congress. We wouldn't have heard that from our congressmen and women a few years ago, but that's where we're at today. And for us to, and I'm not here to speak on any political stuff, but what I am here to declare is that we're in a new age. We're in a different season. And when we see things like that, articles and representatives making those kind of bold statements, and there's been other things that have been said, I want us to have hope tonight that when we see those things and it looks very dark, that yes, we're in a new season as far as how we're being impacted. The the American church has never gone through what we're walking through. We've not seen these things, this resistance from political authorities and, you know, municipalities and different ones. We've not been through that. Now, other countries have. This is not foreign to them. I mean, they risked their lives. Many in other nations to, to, to read a passage could be a death sentence. But it's new to us. And it's almost shook some people to the core I just saw just the other day that 60% of the American churches are are still closed today. 60%. So you're rare that you're open and functioning because the majority are closed. That's where we're at, but here's the hope. God sees the hour, and he's called you and I for this hour. And I believe that God is birthing in us a new thing, not a new doctrine but maybe a new move and a new wave of how his spirit will flow. And we need to be open to that, receptive to that. It's not a new doctrine, but God may take a doctrine that you know and bring new revelation to you in that doctrine. We just recently, I mean just recently, just in the last week, on the authority of the believer, had some new revelation open to us in regards to that subject that we had not seen before, and it was wonderful revelation. It didn't change the doctrine. It just increased the revelation. So I believe God is getting us ready for a new thing. See, people, and we can find ourselves very comfortable, can we not, in a routine. Rather than jumping in the turbulent waters of change, none of us, no, I don't want those turbulent waters of change. I like my routine. Don't mess it up. Don't call me to Poland, God. That's going to mess up my routine. You might change my future plans. 
Don't ask me to do this. Don't ask me to be that person that walks into Walmart, as Pamela said, and be the one who brings in the anointing and people fall out in the spirit and they look at me. Don't call me to be uh, uh, Todd White who gets on the intercom of the grocery store and says, if you need healing in your body, meet me on aisle three. That's a new thing. I've not been into Albertsons and laid hands on people. But God may be asking us to be open to a new thing. Because the hour requires. We can't do things like we've done. Normal that we call normal is gone, folks. Normal is not coming back. What we perceive to be normal. That's not coming back. But that's okay. When they met in the upper room, a new thing was about to happen. They didn't have precedent before, but a new thing was about to happen. And they had to be open to that new thing. And God wants us to be open to his new thing. Amen. It's been said that revival by its nature takes place in a time of moral darkness and national discouragement. Typically not when things are going so well. When, when you're, you know, your president and all the representatives are all saying, let's yield to God and let's, you know, let's humble ourselves before the Lord. That's usually not when it happens. Why is that? Because maybe we, the church, gets complacent. And by the way, I wore this shirt specifically for your pastor. Just wanted to say that. Just ask Pastor Heidi after the service. You'll understand what we mean by that. But moral darkness, a time when there's discouragement, then God says, I'm about to move. I'm about to move. I'm about to show up. We read there in Isaiah 43, 15, 16, and 17, God reminding, you think I can do this in two or three minutes, get through this message? But he's reminding us of who he is. He said, I am the God, your creator. Right off the bat, I'm God, your creator. He's telling him right there that I'm the source of all your being. I'm the source of all your being. Before he mentions a new thing, he reminds them of who he is. So it gets them ready for the new thing. Because if you forget who he is, when the new thing comes, I'm not going there. That's different. But when I know that he's the source of all my being, that everything that I need is in him and wrapped up in him, it's... I don't care what Washington, D.C. does. They don't have to provide me a stimulus for me to be provided for. Amen? Now, i got to watch myself because I could get political and I don't need to. Oh, well, pastor gave me his blessing. But he went on and said, I'm your complete deliverer. I'm making a way where there is none. I'm the vanquisher of the retaliator against you. I'll vanquish the enemy. And here they are. We know the account, the story. They go up to the Red Sea, and a new thing's about to happen. Because they didn't have books that said, you know, when you walk up to a sea, and your leader sticks out a rod, it's sea parts, and you walk on dry land. (laughs) Oh, okay, that's what we do. They didn't have that book. That page or that paragraph had not been written yet. And so here they are at the Red Sea. And Moses is obedient to do what God asked him to do. And then sure enough, there they go. But so often the path of our deliverance becomes, when you're looking back, it seems like it can be the path that the enemy is coming to to attack you on. But God, I thought that was my path of deliverance. Now here comes Pharaoh's army. 
And they're about to come on this dry ground that you made possible for us. And God is saying, no, wait, 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 wait. You just wait. I'm about to do something new that you've never seen before. And what became Israel's deliverance became the destructive place of Pharaoh and his army. Because those seas went in on top of them. God brought deliverance to Israel, but then a new thing came. They could have said, I'm not going, why bother? I might, we just might as well stay here, because here comes Pharaoh. He's going to kill us anyway, so let's just, why bother going through? No, they went through, and then they saw their victory. Being open to a new thing. Open to the new thing. But he said, don't remember, in verse 18, do not remember the former things. Now, when that statement is made, that's not a negative for us to forget the former things. It's not, don't forget where you've come from, what God has done in your life. Remember those things. Those are good things to remember. Israel did that all the time. They made, they made their altars so that they could remember. And so we don't want to forget, but what he is saying here is that I want you to not remember the former things. In other words, when I moved at the Red Sea, don't put me in a box and think i got to move like that every time. So the next time you come up against an obstacle, don't expect me to move that same way. I may or I may not, but be open to a new thing. It may be different. It may look a little different. So don't put me in a box. Don't confine me to what I've already done. Well, God touched my body this way. Well, God may do something different. He may tell you to stand on your head. I don't know. God may just do something different with you. But be open to that. Be open to what God wants to do. I mean, the Red Sea was beyond anyone's speculation. They couldn't guess that was going to happen. That was a new thing. And God wants to do for us things that are beyond anything that we can fathom, invent, ask, or even imagine. Ephesians 3.20 out of the Passion Translation says this, Never doubt God's mighty power to work in you and accomplish all this. He will achieve infinitely more than your greatest request, your most unbelievable dream, and exceed your wildest imagination. He will outdo them all for his miraculous power constantly energizes you. He'll do that. He'll do that. It's been said that God is never anticlimactic. In other words, he will never be outdone by a previous move of his spirit. He will always surpass what he's done in the past. He knows the hour we're in. He knows what needs to be done in this hour. And this hour is now bigger than our God. He already said that he's the creator. He's the source of all things. He already said he's the deliverer. I'll make a way for you where it seems to be no way. He said that. Just be open to this new. And then verse 19 said, behold. That word behold means to fix the eyes upon, to see with attention, to observe with care. It's not a glance. You don't just glance at it. See, when you're driving down the highway like we've been doing here recently, a lot of miles, you glance at a lot of stuff because you don't have time to behold you better be looking straight ahead if you're the driver you glance this is not glancing this is fixing your eyes with care nothing will distract me from seeing 
what he wants to do. And then he went on and said, behold, and in the latter part of that verse it says no. And that word no in the Hebrew, that verb in the Hebrew language is more than just a cerebral awareness of insight. It has to do with the total giving of yourself as, a, as in a husband and wife relationship. No. In other words, there's, there's an embrace. There's, there's a receptivity. You know this person. I mean, you're connected. So no. No. In other words, I'm going to do a new thing, the Lord is saying, and will you embrace it? I'm going to do a new thing, and will you receive it into your life? This new thing that I'm going to do. And the question is, so why doesn't God then tell us this new thing? Why does it all of a sudden just, why didn't God tell Israel, you know, 10 days before they got to the Red Sea, that you're going to come to the sea, Moses is going to stretch out his rod, and it's going to part, and boom, you're going to walk across on dry ground. The fish are going to be on each side of you. You're going to see whales. You're going to see dolphins on the side, and you're going to be on dry ground. Ten days, mark it down. He didn't tell them that. And why is that? Because if he told us that, we'd try to anticipate what he was going to do. We, we would limit him with our anticipation. And then he wouldn't be able to do what he wants to do. He doesn't tell us that because he doesn't want us. Now stay with me. He, doesn't, he wants to free us from attempting to drum up faith. If God told us the new thing he was going to do, we'd try to help him. If I get enough faith, if I get in the word just enough, then God will do it. Sometimes you just got to believe. You just got to believe. It's not based on you because you read 101 scriptures. You just got to believe that God is my healer, that God is my provider. Not because God's providing me because I've read 15 scriptures and I quoted them all by memory. No, just because I believe in his grace. He doesn't tell us because he wants to demonstrate his exhaustless resource of wisdom and power and not have our hands mixed in so that he gets the glory, not us. He gets all the glory. But then it said, now it shall spring forth. Now it shall spring forth. And just because you don't see it doesn't mean it hasn't started. I'll say it again. Just because you don't see it doesn't mean it hasn't started. Right now, the Bible says it's going to spring forth. Spring in the Hebrew is the word sprout. And now suggests, kind of like all, Pastor Sean, now suggests we ought to be seeing it right now. 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 Not 20 years from now, but now it shall spring forth. Mark 4.28 in the Passion Translation says this. All by itself it sprouts. And the soil produces a crop. First the green stem, then the head on the stalk, and then the fully developed grain in the head. See the process? But before I even see it visibly, before I see that blade above the ground visibly, there's a sprout beneath that's coming to life. 
And I don't have to see it with my eyes on the surface to know that life is occurring beneath the surface of the soil. So it's happening, folks. God is at work in your life. God is at work in your families. God is working on your behalf. And you say, I don't see it. You don't have to see it because life is already occurring. But the Bible says, now it shall spring forth. Amen. It's our time. It's our time. Man, I'm excited about this hour. I'm excited about this hour. Are you crazy, pastor? Are you crazy, missionary? Oh, maybe I am a crazy missionary. But I'm excited about this hour. I mean, when you've got nearly 20% of a denomination discouraged, feeling hopeless, wow, that's an opportunity like none ever before. See, when he says he's going to do a new thing, that is already in the process. He's going to do a new thing. He's going to do a new thing. Joy, would you come to the keyboard? The great man of God, John G. Lake, said this about Christianity. He said, here's the secret to Christianity. He said, the secret is not in doing. The secret is being. It's, it is in it is being the possessor of the nature of Christ. And I think a fault of ours has been, we've been wrapped up in the doing. What am I doing for the Lord? What am I going to do for the Lord? What will the Lord do with me? You just need to be a possessor of the nature of Christ. So that as you go from this place to out there, you're possessing that nature so when God speaks and says, do this, yes, sir. Stop and talk to a man. We were on a time schedule last night. We had pastors waiting for us at the restaurant. But there was a man from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, who was leaving to go home this morning, who needed to hear for just a brief moment that there's a God in heaven who cares about his life and he doesn't have to try to live life and try to work it out on his own. God is there to help him. So you stop and you pause for a moment. And you let the Lord do a new thing in that man's life. Five or six years ago, we were at a conference in Texas. And we were in between the morning sessions and the evening session. We went back to the hotel. And there was this older gentleman who was crippled up. I mean, he was walking, but boy, you could tell life had been hard on this guy. And we began to just ask him some questions and talk to him a little bit there in the, where they would normally serve breakfast. And we found out that he was a rodeo cowboy. And that's why he was so beat up. And that's what he had done for most of his life, a rodeo cowboy. Man, he was just, you could tell, it was everything he could do to just, to walk from here to there because his body was just beat up. And we asked him, we said, well, before we asked him, we said, you know what? We believe in a God who heals. And he doesn't delight in seeing you in pain and misery and just barely getting by. That he would like to touch your body and he can do that tonight. Would you mind if we laid hands on you and prayed for you? He didn't run from us and say, no, get away from me, you devils. He was just like, would you? And we did.
Now, did God, you know, miraculously just, we don't, I don't know. It didn't happen at that moment. But see, that's not our concern, is it? Just being open. And here's what I was getting also this afternoon. When we think of a new thing. And we don't say this to get brownie points with your pastors, what I'm about to say. But you've got fantastic pastors here. And I say that because we know a lot. We've been around. I mean, we've been around the globe. You've got pastors who hear from God. And as God leads and directs, you don't have to be afraid about this new thing because you've got pastors who will guide you. Because God is giving them wisdom on how to operate in this new thing. It's not a new doctrine, but it may be a move that's different. The story is told of Maria Woodward Eder. She was ministering the Word of God in a service, and all of a sudden she froze. And for three hours, she was frozen. And in those three hours, one miracle after another miracle after another miracle after another miracle. And after three hours, God unfroze her, and she took up preaching right where she left off. That was a new thing. In 1904, there was a man by the name of Evan Roberts who God burdened his heart to pray for a move of God in his country. Evan was not a minister of the gospel. He was not a trained theologian. Probably good that he wasn't. But he was a man who was hungry for God, who worked the coal mines. But he was hungry for God. And in that hunger for God, he just reached out and said, I'm praying for my country. I'm praying for my country. And he got others to come around him and pray. And then they began to believe. And they said, we're going to believe for 100,000 souls. And in 1904, the move of God broke out because of the prayers of Evan Roberts and those who joined with him. And in six months, 100,000 souls were born into the kingdom. That was a new thing. God using just a commoner to bring a move of God. But he'll do it if you're open. When the move of God was happening there in Welsh, in Wales, guess what was happening in America? A black man was being spoken to by the name of William Seymour. God spoke to William Seymour and asked him to move from Houston, Texas to go to Los Angeles, California. William Seymour was not a well-educated man. He was blind in one eye. The story's told that he would take a wooden crate and he would bury his head in that wooden crate and would pray for hours for a move of God. He's praying while Evan Roberts is praying over there in the UK for a move of God. And suddenly God moves, not only in the UK because of Roberts' prayers, but there's a William Seymour that's praying here. And then we have what we call the Azusa Street Revival. God didn't do it with the polished. Not that he can't, but he chose not to. It's a new thing a new thing we have to be open to it it's a new time a new thing that he's wanting to do we're facing things we've not seen before and I would say that we're going to face more stuff that we haven't seen before decisions we'll have to make stands we'll have to take I was just listening to a message today as I was working out and the pastor is from California and the person interviewing this pastor said, you mentioned in your most recent sermon that you're ready to go to prison. Why would you say that? 
I didn't know that there had recently been a state legislature in California trying to pass a law that said in that law, if it had been passed, that nobody in law enforcement could share their testimony of their faith in Christ, whether on duty or off duty. It would become a, a legal offense that could imprison them. Thankfully, there was enough of an uproar that that person, legislature, kind of dismissed the bill for the moment, but it's still there. They're just waiting for the media attention to die down, and they'll reintroduce it. That's what we're facing. A church in Canada being fenced off after their pastor was in jail for 30 days. Are you guys ready for your pastor to, probably not in Montana, I mean, you guys would fight before they'd come fence this place off. But other places, though. In Poland today, Pastor Chris, he can have 20 people legally in his church because of the restrictions. He's not had, I need to be careful probably because we're broadcasting this. Let's just put it this way. He's ready to go to jail if he has to. That's where we're at, folks. It's a new day. But at the same time, we got a God who is ready for this hour. Amen. Amen. While we were worshiping, that second song that you guys did, there was a line in that song that said, Up from the ashes, hope will arise. And I just sensed that while that song was being sung, and it's in particular that line was being read, that there's somebody here tonight that that really resonated with you, that one phrase, up from the ashes. Because in the ashes is maybe where you have seen yourself. And the Spirit of the Lord is wanting to say to whomever it may be that hope will arise. That out of the ashes, He can birth life. He can bring something new that never existed before because that we're all examples of that. We never existed like this before until we came to Christ. And so in the midst of that, hope can arise. And your tomorrow can be better than your today. And your future can be brighter and will be brighter if you'll trust in the Lord that out of the ashes He will birth and bring life. Where there was destruction and death, He will bring life to you. Out of the ashes, hope will arise. Thank you for taking the time to listen today. If you would like more information about Faith Family Church, including service times and location, visit faithfamilybillings.com.